1: Good
2: morning. This is Talking Devils. I'm Wayne, joined as always by United Legend Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul?
0: I'm good, thank you, Wayne. Good. Even maybe better. Three wins on the bounce. <laughs> it's been a bit of a rarity, hasn't it?
2: I know. Right. It's um got us dreaming of um top four, which is ludicrous when you think about Manchester United standards, but that is where we are. And we are beacons of positivity, so You know three wins on the bounce and three good wins as well i should say um achieved in different manners if you're watching live on youtube or twitter if you can um, get your comments and questions in if you're watching the replay on youtube uh, feel free to comment because we do reply to the comments and if you're listening back on the audio podcast if you can subscribe and leave a positive review on the platform you're listening on Before we get to it, thanks to everyone who listened to the um, podcast I produced for Manchester United last week on the Munich disaster, which um, was putting together from the the Tom Tyrrell archive um, interviews with Jackie Blanchflower, Bill Foulkes, and Albert Scanlon, which were done in 1998 to mark the 40th anniversary of the disaster. Um, Some really raw emotional um, comments in there from all all three really but um real honor to work on it and, and for the club to put it out so for everyone who's listening to that I really appreciate your um your feedback and your shares and everyone being very kind about it so thank you uh, for that um Paul Aston Villa one Manchester United two um point early in the second half, it felt like it was going to be a very, very long afternoon for United. And, and it was really, I mean, it was definitely long in trying to get that result, but United came through it. A number of um, hurdles leaped, but as always with this United team, first of all, you don't want to jump to any conclusions too soon. and say they, they've turned the corner and blah, 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 because I think we were all quite familiar with the composition of the squad and, and the capability of the players but I suppose from now until the end of the season it's about crossing the hurdles that are in front of you and United did enough to answer that yesterday. Hoyland scored early on um doing well I, th- I messaged you in the um so sort of duration of the game saying this is probably the most effective I've ever seen Maguire at United and surprisingly Unai Emery didn't have the tactical awareness to sort of combat that, but Maguire from corners only needed to be effective once, and it was, Hoyland scored, then Villa had a really good wave of pressure, got a deserved equaliser, probably deserved to be in front at some point, but United rode that storm, brought on McTominay, and McTominay for the upteenth time this season scored from the bench, and um, a late winner as well, not the first time he's done that, I mean, United get a a crucial win at Villa Park if they are to qualify for the Champions League. I've gone on record many times this season thinking, saying I don't really think that that's important for the club this season, but for the players who only have an infinite, uh, infinite, (laughs) finite number of seasons in which they can compete in the Champions League, obviously it is important for them. And uh, United got over that hurdle. They managed to do so despite the injury to Martinez, despite the injury to Shaw at half-time, um, despite the repositioning, uh, despite the two bookings for Casemiro and Kobe which made you think that one of them would get sent off in the second half. They rode all those storms and got a crucial win. We'll talk about the individuals in a, in a little while, Paul, but um, in terms of performance, obviously not the best, but it was a big, big win for United for the first time that Ten Oaks won a game against a top an away game against a top nine opponent, which is crazy when you think he's been there for almost two years. But a significant one and a significant time to get it.
0: Yeah, when you just when you're saying that, it was mentioned yesterday that as well about beating a top nine opponent. You think yourself again, blimey. Normally you'd be talking about a top four, wouldn't you, or a top three opponent? Now it's stretched out to nine, so it tells you. The levels that United are in at this moment in time, or does it mean that the league is more competitive than what it's ever been? Teams are a lot closer to each other than what they have been for a number of seasons. So I look at it, and the goal come at a good time. It come when United had a had a good spell, maybe their best spell of the whole game, to be honest. Other than the winning goal, I would say that. I mean, even though it was a small bit, but They got something out of it. When you look at still trying to build play, they were still quite poor, but they still had Villa under a bit of pressure. Villa looked like a side that everything has been taken out of them from the fact of losing that unbeaten home record to Newcastle. And they haven't really played. They've they've lost their way slightly, which is quite normal in certain ways. If you're a team that has been playing maybe a little bit above yourself, that drop down is very difficult again to climb back up again so quickly. So this is when Emery's going to be tested. But they, they they got themselves in front and they did what they've been doing for a long, long time. They suddenly just sat deep. And they're not very good at doing that because the midfield isn't maybe a, as busy, as fleet-footed fleet as a lot of other teams in midfield. And Villa were just getting through them so quickly and getting to the back four. And it was a lack of um, sense in danger on the right-hand side of the defence that was causing problems between Dallo. Dalo was playing too wide. He wasn't getting close to Raphael Varane. And so it was allowing gaps in between there. Varane was being taken one side and Dallo, for some reason, wanted to mark the touchline. And that was they'd done that on three or four occasions. Got in on that side, especially um, what's his name, the young lad, Jacob, Jacob, Ramsey, Ramsey. Yeah, on quite, and it's only just a fact of, I don't know, was it naive or is not a, is not really that kind of instinctive finisher. That may be why United coming at half time, one nil up, really. When if they'd have gone in at least draw, and everyone would have said that's fair enough. Come out second half. And as we know, in the last couple of games, come out second half, and they've been quite poor. They haven't really been up to it from the kickoff, from the start of the second half, stamping their authority on being in front. And again, Villa gained control, took over the game. And it was just really, again, it was last ditch. The keeper made saves. I mean, one of them he didn't know about. I think the one of them that hit him there from, from Ramsey, again, I think that was... No, it wasn't. It was... um. Ollie Watkins, he didn't yeah. know anything about it. He just hits hit in there and bang. Lucky enough, it it pops away. Very similar to a save in the first half as well. But um, but it was always a concern every time that Villa went close. But I must say, <clears throat> um, Scott McTominay comes on and I'm getting concerned that he's putting an extra man in defence and I don't like too many chefs in the kitchen because it causes confusion. But it seemed like he put him and virtually told him to go and be where Marcus Rashford, go and play it off the left hand side, and he'd done something that Marcus Rashford never done all game. He ran without the ball, and that run that run without the ball allowed him to make a run inside of Matty Cash, and Matty Cash couldn't deal with it. Simple as that, and and, and that was and that was something that you think yourself. You got you that Marcus Rashford should should really should really should really know and but just apologize my granddaughter's just coming in here now and so um and now she's leaving the room <laughs> I don't know how she's managed to do that I didn't close the door properly um yeah so Matty Cash I think he might have had it quite easy in the sense of Marcus Rashford wasn't running without the ball and he just lost that train of thought and he and Scott McTominay, once he gets his shoulder in front of you for a big, strong, determined lad, you're not going to get back the other side of him. And Matty Cash couldn't. And it was a great run and it was a great header as well. Not a chance. And that's what it needed, really. And for the first time, a wide player done that. It might, If he didn't get the ball, you'd still be seen as an unselfish run to affect a player. And it creates space. But the timing of it was excellent and the finish was excellent. And And then when you look at it, I have to say, if I looked at the three performances and what they put into a game, I would say that was the main game, really. That was the most important game. Because after those two wins, when they weren't great, in the sense you were just taking wins, they went into a game at Villa Park where everyone was waiting for Villa to step forward and beat Manchester United. And I think a lot of people didn't see United winning that game. And they come out of it unscathed in the end with a, with a with a good, really good winning goal. My biggest concern, again, which has happened in the last three games, might have happened before, is that, again, Hoyland wasn't in the game in the second half because of the way United played. He dropped yeah. far too deep. They made, made him ineffective because he was having to come so deep to get the ball that he couldn't do the job he has been doing is scoring goals or getting the opportunity. So, somehow... And again, I know what the issue is, and they miss they Martinez because he's yeah. the one that brings it up. He forces the issue of the ball up. He doesn't dally on the ball. Everything yeah. is bang. Even if he's going to get it straight back, Wayne, he affects things by just moving the ball quickly, one, two touches, three at the most, and it's played. It's gone. Just to move people, not this dawdling, ambling. It was... It was Oh, it was, it was doing me. It was I, I just don't see how football's got like that. Yeah. Pass and move was always the way.
2: Yeah, especially like Unana. I know Neville went apoplectic about it a couple of times in commentary. Like, And it, and it is frustrating to see when Unana just has the ball for 10, 15 seconds and you're thinking the, all the momentum of anything. United are usually so, well, traditionally, meant to be rapid building from the back end. That's what we presumed he was there to do, but not. Um I mean once United had the ball, their their progression was pretty good. Um but because of that, because Villa are hunters from the front of the pack, that um you you're inviting trouble for, for no reason. I I will say that my, my thought on us um, the Hoyland issue is and i it's probably overstating it, but there's probably a little bit of truth in there. Is that once Hoyland I think there's been this anxiety for Hoyland to get goals. Um, throughout the team. And normally, you know, if a team, if a player's going through a drought, you wouldn't normally get all the team that bothered about it because it's about winning the game first, especially United. I remember, but I do remember the exception of the, and I don't know if you played in the game. I think, I, well, you you must have done the, the Coventry game at home, Brian Robson's last game, where everyone was trying to get Robbo to score because uh, he was on 99 for United. I'm not saying it's like that with Hoyland, but what, I'm, what I do think is that when Hoyland gets on the score sheet, and he, he's been doing that quite early on in all the games, is that I feel like Garnaccio and Rashford feel that they've got Carte Blanche to be greedy after that. And I think that's a, an issue because obviously it takes Hoyland out of the game and we've seen now that there's strength in, in playing it into him because we get more goals. The more goals we get, the more chance we've got of winning the more chance we've got of building big leads, the more space you're going to get as teams try and get into the game, which is perfect for players for going at, like Garnacho and Rashford. If they play the longer game with that, then they can fall to be greedy in, in later parts of games, but not at the moment. And I think like that's, I think Garnacho can mature and will mature. Rashford should already be there. And to be fair, until, you know, let's say before the second half, I thought Rashford actually played all right. He was doing what he needed to do. Um, but you know, United ground out the win. Important, um, important result. If somewhat unimpressive, but I mean, Paul, there are ways to win football matches. And now, two trips to the Midlands in the last couple of weeks, both won late on. For a team that's had um, been so low on confidence over the season, where like they've had so many poor results even though they're narrow wins and not really convincing on the face of it, you can't really discount the value of the momentum that you get from two late late winners like that. And it's about now manifesting that into greater, more confident performances, isn't it? it? I just don't know. How did they go about that? Because, I mean, we all like to see last-minute winners, but they should be the exception rather than the rule, shouldn't they?
0: Yeah, well, without a doubt, especially if you're Manchester United as well. And I've always said it, it is about performances, and and now it is about trying to get a better performances from individuals and collectively as well. And it, it looked that way in that first forty five minutes with um with um Martinez when he played. It it looked a lot better. Everyone looked confident, and that's the presence he's got. I don't know how good his English is, but I know that his actions forces a lot out of players. He gets more from the players and from the team. <clears throat> and, he, and the last, when we look at the, <clears throat> the games, you look at the game yesterday and you could see that he was missed. Definitely yeah. was missed. Varan misses him. You can see yeah. it. Even though Varane did well again, but he's still a person who's, who's career, he's had a great career, but he's always been led by led by people. And as we know, the man who led him through his career at Real Madrid. Um, so the team have got to go into the next game, but they need to add a little bit to it because you can't keep p- playing on the edge like this, to be perfectly honest, because you, you will get caught. And as we know, is that the press can't wait to round on Ted Ten Hag if he loses a game and then name people who's going to take his job and then throw up all these different things. I mean, everything seems to be geared on the football world it is about United. What can we talk about? Last week was all about the grounds. It's caused issues with the ground and we should do new one, refurbish, everything like that. And So I wonder what it's going to be this week. I'll wait, I'll put the telly on in a minute and see what, what Lion Sky Sports are going to go about. You know, they'll suddenly start talking big problems at Villa. That's why Manchester United won and talk about Villa problems, something like that, something derogatory along the way. But um, as, we, as we know already, Highlanders, you know, he's not been talked about so much now because he's scoring goals. Because he was a massive issue before, a waste of money. So they need performances now, and that's the thing they've set. They've set so many bars now where they where where they should be. That once they drop below any of them, people want to round on them and turn things around. So performances are needed. The next game is just as important as the last one just as important now because it's got to be another win that's got to come in the next game. And uh, a little bit more of a solid performance, a little bit more control has got to come. And I still look at the wide players and I'm still going to have my reservations about both of them because every time I see them running or doing anything with the ball, I never see heads lifting, looking what's in front of them looking, never look, never see the early one, never think that, even up to this time, they don't seem to know that the moment they start to run with the ball, that Hoyland is making runs in front of them. They never do it. They never use his runs. Even if they see him run wide, it's not the fact of them giving it, it's the fact of them not seeing the space that might be created in the middle and how many runs I saw Fernandez make through the middle was in, was incredible the amount of runs he made forward but he didn't hardly receive the ball yeah you know and I just don't there's no no delivery into the box people know it now they just virtually just go narrow because they know that there's no points as a back four they just do that knowing that the ball's always gonna because they're gonna step inside always looking to shoot especially yeah. Granacho he's always looking just to get in his, on his weaker foot and still trying that. And you've got the other side, Marcus Rashford, still running into cul de still running, yeah. keep going and going in. And then a bit, and you think to yourself, surely someone's telling them. And, and we know that people are telling them because the <laughs> amount of coaches and what they're earning says that they know basically if there's two, three people in front of you and you've got people around you, use them. Yeah. So they're telling him that. And it just seems neither of them are actually listening or understanding it. And I could understand, Garnaccio gets away with it to a point, but you look at the amount of games he's had now, that you he think maybe he should know a little bit better now. Marcus Rashford, given the status he's got and everything surrounding him, his age, he, he I don't know whether he's, he's still playing his own game. That's, that's the problem. I mean, 10-half took him off, which was a rarity. And now yeah. it's, seen, it's seen as a as maybe one of his one of his most positive substitutions in weeks, because look at the yeah. impact it had. While a lot of his substitutions he's done over his last two or three games, I've questioned them because he's put the team under more pressure when he's yeah. gone and done it. and he was very he didn't do what he normally does with his substitutions. He made that one substitution, and bang, straight away there was the impact. It changed it because you had a player. Who was unselfish in making a run, hoping the ball was going to be delivered. So,
2: yeah, yeah uh, definitely. I mean, and it's nice as well because I think we, we are, or, or at least we try to be a podcast where we, um, or I'm not speaking for you, but I feel like over the years where we've been critical of players, we've also uh, when when they deserve praise, as you have done so far with Mctominay. Um, that we've been quick to give that, and it was obviously that, that commitment that, that proved a difference yesterday. And um, we made a comment. I'm going to come back to it because um, we are a little bit of a shorter pod this week because we don't have Dave rambling on, you know, like Dave Waffles when he's on. Um, he's getting some sleep now because he saw his team lost in that American sport thing that they played overnight. Um, a couple of people just to say good morning to Vickie um Aspion and mike good morning guys hope you're doing well uh paul i wasn't really going to talk about this but I, as you were saying it you were talking about like last week's news being <coughs> the, uh, either redevelopment of old trafford or a new stadium being built uh, on the same grounds i'd like to get your thoughts on this because I was, I was thinking you were at the club at a time where we we redeveloped the stretford end we moved the tunnel and the changing rooms, so you moved down into the corner. Then they redeveloped the north stand as well, so you were at the, the ground when there was this period of great change at Old Trafford. So, it's, yeah, I guess you're well placed to talk about tradition and you know evolution and things like that. Um, obviously, there are a lot of people. Who are sentimentally attached to United um, and staying at Old Trafford because of the fact that um, it's been the ground for over 100 years. It's, it was the home of the Busby Babes. It was a site of the the game where we um, played after Munich against Sheffield Wednesday. It was the site of the game where we we played against Everton. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago with um, when when you came out um, after Sir Matt died. Two of the most emotional nights in United history, afternoons in United history, were were played at Old Trafford. So there is a, a big sentimental attachment there, and you know, all of my memories of supporting United are there. But I do look at United's history and where people say that it's messing with tradition. Maybe we should also remember that when Emery was um sorry, Davis, when Davis was the um owner of the club, he he financed a new stadium. And then when Gibson was chairman, he um, basically spent his money on the rebuilding of the the ground after the bombing and everything like that. And he wanted it to be, you know, the palace that United had originally hoped that it would be. So there is at least evidence of United moving grounds. You know, it's part of their tradition as well. Where do you stand on, um, on on this debate? Do you think feel like United should stay where they are and redevelop, or do you think that you know the the hurdles of developing the South Stand, for example, mean that it, it's probably time to have a new stadium built? You've gone you've gone silent there, Paul. I've I think I've muted you by accident. If you can unmute yourself, there. What about now? We're back. We're back. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, we're back? Yeah.
0: Right. I'm more for um, a refurb, to be perfectly honest, Wayne. I mm. really I, I really am. I just I look at it now about just maybe even just moving just slightly behind or something. I mean I've lost I've lost the way now. Every time I go back to Manchester, I start trying to think of how things how things were. But then I think about, it. I'm sure that people who've lived up in Manchester a lot longer would mostly are struggling as well. What's happening in Manchester in the last few years. But I'm looking at a refurb really of, of you know the ground rather than moving because I've I've been to Tottenham a lot of times. A lot of times I've been working at Spurs. I went there so many times during lockdown. It was taking me 35 minutes to drive it. Now you, you can't get anywhere near driving it in 35 minutes and a on because it's just ridiculous to traffic. So I was going there. I was walking around it and I was going, wow, just inside of it when it was empty. The concourses are massive. I mean, concourses have got to be about, what, 50, 60 metres wide. The concourses, they're incredible. You I mean, when they're busy, they're busy. still it's still comfortable busy and i can imagine you know you go in ot and you're walking through it's it's it's, you know it is what it is but the i'm tottenham is a great ground and i've sat in all different bits i've been in the press bit i've been in their kind of lower kind of the bits where they've got their different levels of corporate and it's really it's really nice the service is good i've done the major one very fortunate to be invited and gone gone proper Roy King prawn sandwich, proper. And you sit in a loop, you don't they don't have boxes, they have louves, they call them. Big kind of settees, high ones, like the waltzers at the at the um at the fairs, the big waltzer kind of seats, rounded, in the front, and and then you go to these doors had heated seats. It was absolutely amazing. But it's a venue. It's not a football ground. And the problem is that anything's going to get built now for Manchester United will turn into a venue. That's what they're going to want to make it into, a venue, not a football ground. Yeah. So, again, I think it's, an, it's like virtually like when the FC was removed or the football club was removed from the badges. You're going to have a ground which is going to become a venue. It's going to be able to service it for every. So it services every sport and football. Is not going to be sitting there as the principal one to be perfect. It's Tottenham Tottenham's pitch flips and does everything. I mean, there's a underneath it, there's got a a bit for um um driving underneath it. They've got a go-kart track, they can do F one testing and things when you go underneath it, plus obviously the football pitch, the American football pitch as well. So I'd just rather Manchester United refurb. Yeah. Still, you know, it does, I don't mean make it any bigger than what it is, but just refurb it. And can they do that along those lines and go down there rather than everybody, because of this new takeover, not takeover, this proportion of shares have been moved to someone else. I'm thinking to myself, is everyone blowing everything up big because it's this and thinking it's a complete 100% sale with new owners in there? Because to go and do that, what they're talking about, how much money then goes on the pitch, which is the most imp- important part? Well, i maybe as years go on that will change because I think if the club becomes a venue, then it means that straight away you're going to actually lose your hardcore fans because they're going to be priced out of the market in certain ways. And you just end up people turning up to take more pictures of themselves in this venue. And, oh, yeah, better turn around because there's a game going on while I'm having my picture taken. So it becomes a little bit like that. I'm seeing that at Spurs, a lot of Spurs fans. And, again, I'm in a big West Ham area, but there's still Tottenham fans, a lot of Tottenham fans in this area as well. And uh, even, you know, themselves, they they love what's happened, what they've gone and done Tottenham. But still, their their heart was always with White Hart Lane as it was because they they've moved slightly but they've made a 100% dif- you know, complete change, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Obviously, I don't speak for everybody. I'm not a Mancunian. I'm just someone who played there for five years. It's Been back and forth so many times since I've left, but someone who still enjoys going there. To suddenly go to a new ground, I don't know how the reaction to that would be for me, to be honest, but given that, the time it's going to take I don't know if I'll be walking properly and be there to go. I don't know when it's going to happen or anything. Age is going to age is going to be at the forefront.
2: Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I, well, I'm not agreeing with you there, Paul. I'm sure you'll be fine. Um, and, and a big part of United history—not just uh, yeah, five years, but five um, significant years. Um, Mike says, has to be a new stadium. I understand the emotional investment in staying, but we have to move with the times. Look at Spurs Stadium, for example, I guess he's using the same example as you, but for different reasons. Amazing facilities and comfortable for fans. And maybe the idea is that, you know, you can't reach that kind of level without um, rebuilding completely because of of the space constraints and everything like that. You know, I'm open-minded on it um, because, you know, what will be, what will be, uh, what will be, will be and I'm not in charge of that decision. So you just have to be braced and comfortable for whatever that decision is. I don't think it's anything like I've said earlier that I don't think it's anything that contravenes the fact that there's nostalgia and, and attachment there. There are certain elements about um about Old Trafford that, you know, can be moved around. I mean you can still preserve the original tunnel. You can move the bricks if, if that's a thing that's necessary, perhaps the only thing that has any anchored involvement in there is the um, is the statue of Jimmy Murphy because of where it's placed. He's overlooking the, the pitch. and look who's decided to join us. Mr. Murphy um, is is here. Um, Dave, we are talking about the redevelopment of Old Trafford versus a, a new stadium. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for taking some time after you know drowning in your sorrows and watching your team lose overnight. Um, what What's your thoughts on um, the redevelopment of Old Trafford versus a new stadium being built? Paul is for the redevelopment. I'm on the fence, so you've got the casting vote.
3: Yeah. Sorry, I'm late. Uh, I was um, hope watching the second greatest show on on, on Earth. Obviously, this is the, the first one. Um but yeah, it was uh, demoralising to lose to uh, the Chiefs. Anyway, um, stadium. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence as well. I'd, I'd really like this. I think it's one of, I think it's one of those things where, and I know this is kind of uh, selfish, but I'd, I'd like to see plans for both before. Making that decision, um, obviously, I'd love to stay at Old Trafford in the, in the current format that it's in, on in the current uh, place that it's in. Um, but redevelopment is is obviously a massive, massive need at Old Trafford. And um, you look at the the Bernabeu and look what they did with that stadium. And uh, I think that cost three, four hundred million to redevelop that, and it's an absolutely phenomenal stadium right now. Um, but then I'm not I'm not opposed to a brand new stadium right next door. Uh, my concern about redeveloping Old Trafford is what do we do during that year or two years? We all know it never, it never goes the length that they say it is. I know Spores had, a, had an awful time trying to get into there.
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.
3: That would be my concern. Where do we go? You know, during the redevelopment of Old Trafford, they'd obviously have to shut it down or even shut down large pieces of it while it's being redeveloped. Uh, so that that would be again uh, for me. It would it would I think I would sway towards a brand new stadium. Um, but you know, I think as as supporters, we'd like to see what what the two options are on the table in regard to redevelopment versus a brand new stadium with the biggest club in the world. Um. We should have the best stadium we don't we did 20 years ago and we should get back to that as well uh, so yeah. um, more of a more of a a redevelopment but again where would we go while well, that happens yeah. Uh, so yeah um
2: well i mean, i guess the city of manchester stadium can hold all the season ticket holders it's just about the rest of the rest of that um but yeah i I'm, I'm on the fence with it, to be honest. I can see the, the pluses and minuses. We did get a comment there, isn't the train line the issue with the development? Yeah, and there was some issue with the houses behind the train line as well, and obviously real estate in Stretford has gone quite high in in the last few years, like everywhere, but especially in Stretford, it's you know probably two and a half times as much now, which might be fairly minimal collateral damage as far as um, a football club are concerned in terms of redeveloping so it is still not insignificant costs to to be um, to be considering considering the fact that there are residents living there and everything like that, and it's quite a, it's a traditional Manchester streets, tightly knit. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of people to move around and everything like that. Um, and that's notwithstanding the other issues that have been already in Old traffic over the weekend, as we've seen. You know. A lot of season ticket holders from the section just next to us have been moved around, including some legends like Norman Whiteside who, in the news about it, um, they're being repositioned because of the um, corporate seats that have been removed from the Stratford End. Unfortunately, when you move corporate, streets from somewhere, uh, corporate seats from somewhere, you're going to have to move them somewhere else, and um, it's a difficult one to find a solution. Uh, hopefully, they will find one. Uh, Mike says, downsize Old Trafford for the youth and women's team have new 100,000 stadiums, so that seems to be a popular uh, thing, I don't know about downsizing though, what would you do, like chop some of the top off, well, North San no, tier 3 is a bit of a nosebleed to get to, uh, been there a couple of times you don't, it's not fun to, I was up there for the Wolves game and uh, you know, watching an honour give away a penalty that's not given in the last couple of minutes is scary enough, but uh, terrifying when you're 4,000 feet in the air. Um, so Dave, you've already missed talking about the um, Villa game, unfortunately for you, but we will have a little um, interlude on before we talk about um, Luton, talking about the midfield of Casemiro and Mainu. Um I'll, let, I'll come to Paul first on this though. Cobby um, was instrumental in the winning goal yesterday, doing well in the tight corner before kind of overrunning the ball, but allowing it to go to Dallow when he crosses for, for McTominay. Another good performance from Cobby um, and another like fairly um, composed performance from Casemiro. He had a lot of um, criticism at the start of the season, but he's been good since he's come back and they look like a decent partnership blooming. It just feels like they need to understand what each other's roles are in there. But it does feel like, out of all the options that we've got at the moment, Casemiro and, and Menu is probably the best. What, what do you think?
0: It's good, but the, the problem is, the problem is, is um sorry, I'm just sort of at it, um ball retention is key. It has to be better to get the best out of those two. They spend so much time chasing around, and you always worry Casemiro chasing around. It was just like every time Cas- Casemiro make a, makes a challenge, I'm kind of do it going like my one I used to do, like every time Eric used to make a tackle. I'm going, don't tackle, don't tackle, because you just worry about it. Casemiro got booked yesterday because of the fact of the referee was poor. Yeah. Matty Cash, I'm gonna use the word because people are scared to use it, cheated. Yeah. He cheated and got him booked. The referee fell for it, where prior to that he was quite good. He was quite good. And those two together are good. Both of them if they get in possession of the ball then they keep it better than anyone else in that midfield. Don't try not to give it away cheaply. The problem is is that they're having to do so much work chasing back and forth but they're not getting much help. And it's about them. Both of them are not quick. Not quick move not off the mark. Not quick. Yeah. So at one time when mainly was running back and you could just see it he's he's not he hasn't got that change of pace. In that midfield, and that's what it lacks through the middle—that change of pace. How how does that? How do you improve that? If you improve that, then you improve Manchester United a hell of a lot. And then if you've got that player as well who helps with ball retention, that is that—that would be a massive improvement. The midfield, especially getting Casemiro in there as well, the midfield went incredible. It moved, it changed really well. We saw that last season, but you can see now it needs to move to the next level. Yeah, if that's without Casemiro, then it, it might be. Kobe is the future, but it's about getting the right people to play with him, so people get the even more, even more out of him with the ability he's got. Because you know he can keep the ball. He's, he can kick the ball to himself. He's that confident in his own ability to be able to keep the ball, and the way he's, he fit his, he, the way he keeps it, his body strength and he, the way he positions his body. People struggle to get it off of him. Yeah. But they're the only two in that midfield who do that. Fernandez gets up and back, but he's starting from poor areas. That's that's yeah. that's the problem. The two wide lads hit and miss. Hit and miss. As simple as that. It might be good names for them, really. I don't know who you'd call hit or who you'd call miss, though. But um, I, I like what's in there, but it's just about how they're doing their jobs at the moment.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting one, that David, because I mean, the the whole point of United's progression is going to be that they, because they're still nowhere near. We don't even know if they're good enough. They should be good enough to be a Champions League side. I, I would have thought, considering, and I'm talking at a full complement, um, they're good enough to be a Champions League side. But scratch the surface, go down to the B level players, then they're not good enough to be a Champions League side, and they they are where they are. They're struggling to to get in there. Um, but the issue that comes with United, even at a full complement, is that they're still not good enough to be a title-winning side. So the point is always going to be about the better parts of the par- partnerships that we've got in the one the one-twos and the one twos and the one two threes. How do you? Which players do you move on? Obviously, Paul's saying that Casemiro is probably due to his age more than anything, but also due to some of the attributes, you know, not being quick and everything like that that he's probably, not risk, but he's most likely to be the next person where there's an evolution, you know, where you've got Cobby in there. Um, Mm -hmm. In the case, though, when you're looking at the options available, it's kind of like, well, all right, they're they're not quick, but what they bring us is so much more important than the other players. It's so much more positive than the, the attributes from the other players that you kind of see, well, it's not quick, but you just have to compensate in the other areas for that. You have to make sure that Garnacho and Rashford are pulling the weight, and it almost like with every improvement, you're asking different questions of the players, aren't you?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, two months ago, a month and a half ago, even our midfield was absolutely shocking. You know, uh, we, we we had a terrible midfield and we had a terrible front line. We we've, we've stumbled into um, what I believe is is probably our, our best front three right now um uh, that is Garnaccio on the right, Rashford on the left, and obviously Hoyland up front. Um, I, I have seen a big improvement on Rashford in the past couple of games uh, where he's not doing that, you know, running straight into a defender and expecting the defender just to you know, miraculously get out of the way. Uh, his choices have been a hell of a lot better when he gets to that position. Um, and Garnaccio you know on, on the right I think we've seen him a few times last year playing there and I was a little bit miffed we didn't try him more but I understand why you know you, you paid 80 something million for Anthony you have to justify that um but I think Ten Hag has realized that maybe that's not the best <laughs> maybe that's not the best choice on the right uh with with Kobe and 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 uh, Kobe and um Casemiro I mean it's the best that we have right now um, and, and I I enjoy watching it I think it's I think it's a huge improvement uh, on what we what we previously had when Casemiro was on the sidelines. He's definitely playing a hell of a lot better, as you said earlier on, than than he was at the start of the season. The start of the season it looked like he forgot to play football. Um, now he's actually, you know, now he's actually been an improvement on that. But but Maynou is just I mean he everything the kid does, he does it right. Uh you know, as Paul said, he's just so difficult to get the ball off the way he positions his body. And he just he he has that attribute that and I don't want to I don't want to put him in a world class bracket, but I believe he's, he's heading in that direction. But he has that he has that awareness around him of seeing the next pass before he even gets the ball, and and that's just that's just something some footballers have and some don't. I believe he has it, and he's going to have it in abundance. Uh, each game he gets better. Um, I I know a couple of uh, I think it was just before Christmas he made that mistake and give away a goal. He yeah. could have, you know, he could have just he could he could have just went into himself then and thought, well, you know what, my development—he's actually even got better since that game but um, that tells me a lot about him. I think he is the future. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, Casemiro is not going to be around. That's where the problem lies. Is who do we get in there? I think Casemiro has another season in him, and I'd love to see him there for another season uh, because I think Manu is going to learn a lot off him. Um, you know, you cannot learn from from someone like Casemiro. And right now, I'm I'm just enjoying the fact that we we have some of our uh, uh, spine back in the team. Um, I I did feel from yesterday, you know, it was an absolutely horrendous yellow card, and it kind of, I think it took the edge off Casemiro for the rest of the game because he's become Mercantino, hasn't he? Really, for that where is, they they love to give him a card. They want to send him off at any opportunity. And Once he had that yellow card very early on in the game, I think it stunted him a little bit for the rest of the game. Um, but that said, you know, Maneu is just—he's just exceptional to watch right now. He really is. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm loving the pairing right now because it's a, it's a huge upgrade on what we had. And it's no disrespect to some of the players that that were in there. It just wasn't working with them. Uh, Casemiro back. Unfortunately, we lost Martinez. And um, hopefully, Luke Shaw is just a precautionary thing, as the manager said. Uh, but I'm starting to enjoy United again. And, and I know I wasn't here for the Villa part. Um, but that was a massive win yesterday. Absolutely massive, massive win. Not many teams go there and even get a point, let alone three.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, well, Newcastle did, didn't they?
2: Um, yeah. we, we, um, we are on the rise. And I think the good thing is at the moment, um, well, we've got to make it into a good thing, is that you know we're playing weekend to weekend rather than midweek. So we have the pot- possibility to or capability even to keep the same side together as much as possible um obviously not with the injuries that we've got which um yeah like i said luke Shaw. you would hope that he'll be back for Lewin. so let's talk about Lewin then um one last point on my, I'm not going to ignore Mike's comment, um, after they both got booked in the first half, I was impressed by the second half performances, however, Casemiro's legs go after an hour, Everton's Anana are a possible targets, compliment Menu. Anana was mentioned a couple of times, wasn't he in the summer, um, which obviously, obviously funny because we've already got one. Uh, maybe maybe he's a better goalkeeper than the one that we've got. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, and I played well yesterday, so I'm not I'm not on his back. Um so Luton Town started the season like they might well end up as um the worst Premier League, worst performing Premier League team of all time. They lost the first up for four home games and they were really poor. But since November, they've really improved. Um and I'm not being patronizing because improvement even in the games where they've lost has been easy to see. I mean, they drew with Liverpool. They gave a really good account of themselves at Old Trafford. Narrow home defeats to Arsenal. That one was quite heartbreaking because so it was the last kick of the game. Um, Man City as well. They took them to the wire. They battered Brighton at Kenilworth Road. Brighton. Not Brighton. Brighton at Kenilworth Road. Um, they won at Newcastle. Uh, no, won at home to Newcastle. Drew 4-4 there. They were two goals up at one point. And then... All those good results, and then they've lost this week to Sheffield United at home, um, which suggests to me it's a decent time for us to go there, Paul. Um, but, you know, obviously um, it's not going to be an easy one because because they've played so well, and obviously they're going to be up for, for this game. We all, we've played there a few years ago, actually. People forget this. We played a League Cup game. I think Donny van der Beek scored down there, obviously. Dealy departed. Now he's gone away, so we're gonna have to find goals from somewhere other than Van der Beek. Um, I wonder if we'll be able to man- mention it, uh, ma- manage it. Even can't get my words out this morning, Paul. Uh, what do you reckon? Looping away, um, formidable task. Do you reckon it's one that United should be able to overcome?
0: First of all, that was they've had. The, they've had a few defeats, but that was their biggest margin, wasn't it? In defeat, yeah. two goals, wasn't it?
2: For a long time, yeah,
0: yeah. That was their, um, yeah, definitely this season anyway. I mean, I don't think it's a great time for United to go there. I think it's a real, real bad one, given that their fans were kind of looking at that Sheffield United game and were worried about it because of what they'd gone and done prior to that. That was one game which all the fans knew was maybe the most important one against Sheffield United. And it was like after the Lord Mayor show, wasn't it? With Newcastle and then what they'd done to Brighton, yeah, they, they just lost their way. And with United going there next time, I mean, it's, there, it's the one they've been waiting for. When I went there for the Luton v Palace, there were so many of coming up to me and they've it's the game they've been waiting for. They've been waiting yeah. for Manchester United to come back there for a league game. The last time was 91-92. You know, and I, I played in that game. That was the last time there was any Anytime, and it tells you how lucky, unlucky they've been in that you know they had avoided going down. Then you never know what could have happened to them if they had got a first season in the Premier League. Could did things have been different for them as a club?
2: Did they still have the plastic pitch in 91 92?
0: No, no, they didn't. No, no. Yeah, they'd gone by then. Yeah, I think yeah. QPR were the last team to have the plastic pitch. I think in 87, my first season there, 87 88, was the last team to have a plastic pitch. So I think. you'd be
2: Fergie um, complaining about the um, not wanting players to go on if they had knee injuries, you know, because they or if they had problems with the knees, because um, obviously it was terrible for the joints, wasn't it? But um, it was,
0: yeah. But then, even if the players didn't have trouble with their knees, they found them once they went on that pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah <there> was <laughs> I'll tell you what, we was... to go on that pitch, you'd play on a Saturday, and Jim Smith used to bring us coming on a Monday. We're going to train at the ground on Monday after playing 90 minutes on that pitch. You go back in two days later, and you go in there on a Monday morning and try and move your legs, you think somebody has swapped your legs for bags of cement. Your oh thighs God. were just absolutely killing you. But then as well, there was others who couldn't run because you had all the big scars on our knees, not scars, just open wounds still going. So it was, it, was diff- it, was, it was tough for that season, my first season at top level. It was good in certain ways, but it was terrible the amount of times I was driving home with Excuse me, excuse me for saying this with pus falling out from all over my body of the the wounds and elbows and knees and my backside. But Luton is going to be tough regardless of Manchester United League League position, regardless of the fact of um they haven't been great this season. It's still it's still the best show in the country. They going yeah. want to be that place will be packed. They'll have more people there than what they've had before people even just standing outside they'll all be there waiting it was no different to when I went there in 91 92 and you've got to remember I went there as a QPR player before but when I went there as a Manchester United player it was completely different especially when you go in that that built up area if if anyone hasn't been to Kenilworth Road they have to go for an experience to understand what that ground is all about and you get there and you can't not really feel a bit for them and I'm hoping that Luton stay up. Obviously, drop three points in their next game, but I'm hoping that they stay up so they can yeah. actually get themselves going again for what they're being put through by the Football League and all the different authorities. They deserve something from it, but they are a tough team to beat, and the one their greatest strength is they haven't forgotten where they come from, Yeah. the way they play their football. They play the football that got them into that league. They haven't suddenly decided to be like Burnley start the plastic football in one season, get up and carry on thinking you can just carry on and do the same up against better quality players who are going to be sharper, going to be quicker and sense more things than what they did in the championship. And that's the reason why Luton has taken them a while. And that's the reason why they've got themselves up because the manager is just saying, we're going to do the basics. And doing it repetitively. And the manager... Seems a really, really good bloke from his background and where he's come from. Good speaker, says the right things, and I I think he means it as well. So it is going to be another challenge, a real, real challenge. And hopefully the players start right. But if they go and sit deep against a Luton, they'll just just straight away, you'll turn around and you'll think you're watching a lower division game because they're just going to be putting everything there, and virtually asking everyone, Are you brave enough to keep doing this for 90 minutes?
2: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how Tenog um, approaches that with his starting selection, Dave. Um, does he, you know, like do you put McTominay in from the start for the battle, or do you just go with the team that started against Villa? Um, it's gonna be an interesting one. Um, I remember Blue and obviously the plastic pitch era in '91 '92, uh, Paul's first season, but uh, there was also the the very real possibility that we could have played them in the '94 Cup Final. They had a the really good run with Scott Oakes, and yes. uh, and they lost to Chelsea in the semi. But I remember thinking, "Oh God, it would have been good to play them in the final." They were a good cup team around that time. Fortunately, it didn't happen. We did play them in the League Cup a few years ago, and now we've got them in the league. And like Paul said, seventeenth in the table at the moment. So they, you know, they've picking up the wins where they. um where they can find them and this is going to be without wanting to use a cliche this is their cup final really at the weekend and it's you can tell the the interest again because it's sky's headline pick of the pick of the weekend's fixtures putting them at 4 30 on sunday um what are you expecting to see next weekend
3: i think you know I, I myself and paul talked about this a while back as well as soon as as soon as luton got up 99 percent of their players staff fans they looked for this game. 100% they did. This was the game. This was, you know, getting into the Premier League is, is obviously a massive, massive reward for all the hard work. But these are the games that that are the extra, you know, bonuses. And Manchester United come into town. Uh, 100%, actually, they, they would have just looked across that and said, when are we playing United? Families would have built their weekends around this, you know, no, no holidays, no nothing, no family members. of oh, this is the game that they want to, they want to see, and I think it's going to be very, very tough for United going there. There's going to be a bit of a culture shock for United going there. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really tight ground. It's, a, you know, I love it. I think it's a fantastic ground, and um, the, the crowd are going to be really up for it. Um, getting beat the weekend is not going to help us. I don't think. I think it's going to make them even more determined because they they're really down there in that mire right now um I, I have I have kind of a soft spot for the manager I think he's a very honest guy and he's likeable you know he hasn't he hasn't taken on the Premier League uh, uh, glow uh, as some managers do and when they come up they think that's it I've made it now and they get annihilated and go back down and disappear um I have you know if if, if I do have a soft spot for any team under this uh steely outside um. It's it's looting. I think you know the, the journey they've been on for the past four or five years has been absolutely phenomenal. It's not easy to get out of those divisions, and they come up into the Premier League. Um, I kind of want to see them stay up, but not at the expense of three points from United. Uh, it's going like I said. It's going to be a very intimidating crowd. Uh, the you know the, the 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 supporters are practically on the pitch. Um, and these guys are going to be really. It's going to be a really really tough game. Um like most teams that come up, um, Manchester United is always the cup final. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it is. Um, and it's going to be a very, very, very hard game. We've got to be on top of our game. Uh, like I said, I don't think them getting beaten is going to really matter uh, how they approach this game. This is the game that, you know, getting promoted and beating Manchester United at home, um, they'll probably talk about that those two moments you know forever uh, if they beat us uh, i do think we have a little bit extra in the tank and um, i think we're we're starting to really really grow as a team now with the players that we have back uh i definitely wouldn't change the side that started and um, although you know we we do want a better pairing at center back but if that's our better if that's our best center back pairing at the moment go with that mctominay I think he's become a very good player to take off to bring on um during the game uh when when legs are starting to tire because he just seems to be able to get into that box a lot more uh you know he's a fantastic athlete so I wouldn't I wouldn't I know it's it's not great when you score the winner and then the following week you're you're back on the bench um but I don't think Scott McTominay starts for me in in, in any team that we have unless we have you know the midfield is designated. Um, but thats I'm not trying to be disrespectful to him. I think just that's his best position right now is coming off the bench with a bit of energy. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a very, very tough game. Um, I always, you know, as a you United know, supporter, it, it, I, I always go into these games, you know, very uh, concerned because, <clears throat> like I said, these, these teams that come up, this is the one that they want. Playing at Old Trafford is obviously a huge thing for them as well. But playing in front of their own fans... You know, and, and Paul can attest to this. When when Manchester United come into town, the home team just take it up a level, you know, whether it's both on the pitch and off the pitch. It's going to be a very tough game for Manchester United. It really is, regardless of them being, you know, fourth last in the table. Yeah, as you can see, they, they can score away from home. They score four goals in Newcastle, which isn't easy. Um, So they are going to be dangerous. They really, really are. Um, But, you know, I'm hoping that our form continues. haven't been beaten this season yet um or sorry this, yeah. this season this year and yeah. um, yeah. this year yeah and and i want to take that form into it and we, you know we have we've opened the door for for top four Uh, it's important that we go to places like gluten and win but it is going to be a very very tough game
2: yeah um it's strange that like um go from feeling like they're one of the most vulnerable sides in the league's history at the start of the season to us now looking at United on good reform and still thinking, no, I'm not completely confident about this. Um, interesting to see how we will fare in that one. Um, that's it for this week. Thanks to, to Dave for um, rolling out of bed to join us for five minutes. Really appreciate that. Thanks always to Paul for his time. Um, sorry. Dave, you can listen back to the start. I went in on you at the start. I I deserved a little bit of time in the sun after the criticism that you both doled out to me last week, which continued off air, by the way. These guys not to roll with the punches. Um, it's never enjoyable for me. Um, not that i It's never enjoyable. I, I'm saying, like, I subject myself to it every Monday morning. One of the best parts of my week. I, I really do enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, everyone, guys. And... um We'll be back next week to hopefully talk about United winning and looting and be a bit more confident than what we've seen this morning. Um Take care. Thanks.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Muck Delivery.